2: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
3: I'm a feminist, but I really miss my old tits, a.k.a. my young tits. (laughs) No, you're feeling sorry for me now, I can see.
0: Sure, where that was going, I thought. I thought, oh, you've had an operation. It's just age. I think they're looking lovely. You well, perky, not that non-perky. They're tits scaffolded. Are too. I'm telling all tits you, are they're scaffolded. Oh, all of our tits are scaffolded. Not all, not all. Hashtag not all tits. <laughs> I am a feminist, but once I risked my life by defending my makeup case from a burglar. Who was in my bedroom when I woke up? <laughs> he was holding it, and I said, There's only makeup in that! <laughs> and he dropped it and ran. <laughs> it was a silver makeup case that I'd got free from Max Factor for buying something, and it looked, I think, like a camera case.
3: Well, it's really weird that you say that because one of my best mates did the same thing on a. She chased someone down the street who'd stolen her makeup case.
4: Well, I
0: mean, it's very expensive to replace and it takes ages because you've bought this from here and this from here and this from here. And I knew it was no good to him. So I was like, take the telly. Fine. Leave me my face. It's insured. It's insured. It's insured. But he's only going to dump that in a bin. And that's a lot of things. No, fun. yeah.
3: I'm a feminist and I take my career very seriously but when I was told I hadn't got a part in Jack D's Lead Balloon because I looked too much like the very beautiful Raquel Cassidy I was secretly delighted and it was almost worth losing the job
5: Ah,
0: (laughs) probably wasn't even true (laughs) I'm a feminist but once I risked my safety and that of others by running towards a mugger who had snatched my makeup bag
5: <laughs> out of my handbag,
0: I screamed at him until he dropped it. Take my phone, take my wallet, but back the fuck off from the Laura Mercier. <laughs> I mean, again, it just takes so long, and he didn't understand. It was like a silver bag, and I think he thought it was a value. I just, he really looked scared. He was twice my size. He was just opportunistic. He just saw it, grabbed it, and he looked so scared, and he ran, he ran very fast, and he, keep on running.
3: (laughs) I'm a feminist, and I'm looking forward to proving there is life as an older actress, but I know if I ever make it onto a high-end red carpet, I will be gutted that I can't get my young tits, a.k.a. my old
0: tits, out. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a feminist, but if I were given a time machine which could only travel to the moment in time where Virginia Woolf walked into a river with stones in her pocket, or the moment in time where Chris Hemsworth was desperate for a hand job backstage <laughs> after his drama school production of Guys and Dolls. <laughs> I would feel guilty about the potential lost novels of Virginia Woolf <laughs> and try to create them myself.
5: <laughs>
0: I mean, it's Chris Hemsworth, though.
3: Is that like a famous thing? Is that something he talks about in interviews? The time he was desperate for a hand no. job? <laughs> They must have been like, I mean sort of, no how desperate if men given a performance. can give themselves hand jobs how it's desperate was he it's not the same <laughs> they assure me it's not the same
0: <laughs> live from the old courtroom in Brighton the Spontanean Shop presents the guilty feminist with Deborah Francis White and guest co-host Margaret Hayborn smith and our very special guest Jim Brister talking about hysteria This is The Guilty Feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and the hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. We're talking about hysteria today. Now this is because, did you all hear this news story? So Mary Cray, who is a shadow minister, was asking a perfectly reasonable question and Philip Hammond, the Chancellor of the Exchequer, told her not to be hysterical. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Now, uh, she wrote a piece for The Guardian, and she says, to my astonishment, he told me not to be hysterical. There was commotion from my Labour colleagues and jeering from Tory MPs. So I demanded he withdraw his remarks. He apologised by deploying the weapon used by men everywhere. I didn't call her hysterical. I saw him say this. I didn't call her hysterical. I urged her not to be hysterical. (laughs) So what he could see... She seemed calm, but he could foresee hysteria coming up. <laughs> he thought, she's Some, a woman. Somewhere in
3: your future, something <laughs> is going to happen which will make you both uh, laugh and cry hysterically.
0: Exactly. He sensed hysteria coming up. Maybe he sensed an ovulation, I don't know. Uh, he could see her womb trembling. He, he, he could see perhaps her top lip mm. was vibrating, mm. I don't know. <laughs> But he's had experience talking to women before. So, to be fair to Philip Hammond, he knows the territory very well. And what he wants to do is just put the brakes on any potential hysteria just in case there was an outbreak of it, like in a sort of zombie film. And in his defence, Parliament has
3: been quite an insane place recently. Maybe they were going to get hysterical dysentery within seconds if he hadn't (laughs)
0: stepped in and said... Uh, she pointed out that if he were talking to a man, he would not have used the word hysterical. And so she said it was used to silence her and it was used as a power play because it's one of those words we reserve for women. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are other words we reserve for women? Uh, bossy. bossy. Feisty. Feisty. Difficult,
3: I think. Mm, I the hear difficult, difficult a lot, yeah. And she doesn't get any work because she's difficult. She's difficult. She's you difficult. mean you don't fancy her anymore because she's old. That's what that often means. <laughs>
0: Or you mean she's stopped taking quite so much shit. She only takes sort of 60% yeah, of the yeah, shit yeah. that she's dealt and the other 40% she goes, do you know what, uh, fuck it. Uh, and so that she, she's now, yeah, she's now seen as difficult. So today we're going to discuss hysteria and we're going to look at how we can approach that subject. Is there a time for hysteria? Is there a place, I mean there definitely is a time and a place for hysteria, Glastonbury, but (laughs) is there a reason why women are called hysterical, what's the history of hysteria in women, that's what we're going to explore today. Margaret, did you do a hysteria challenge?
3: I did do a hysteria challenge, I don't know about you, um, the females in the audience, but I have never, I've done that thing of never ever responding to men when they say gross things or, you know, just even make... Noises. This man, I walked past him at a bus stop and he went
5: <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> He went <laughs> Ugh, legs. And that's not in a way. <laughs> that, legs. Legs. That's not really anything. I know it's not, but it was uh, mobile. Um, I turned. <laughs> And so my challenge to myself is to do the traditional shouting back, is to try and say stuff back. And so I did turn round to the, Ooh, legs, man. <laughs> and, I, and I just said, um, I'm not very um, experienced with saying things, so I just said, why? <laughs> why do that? And then I panicked and left.
2: <laughs> but it, it's
3: really weird, because that sounds like a ridiculous story, but the whole way to the station, I was scared. I was thinking he's going to... Because he looked... I mean, shocked, but really angry. He looked really annoyed that I hadn't enjoyed it. I really didn't enjoy it. (laughs) Well, I
0: think in those situations, what men are looking for is to change you. They're not expecting to touch your legs. They're not expecting anyone to go... Maybe they
3: are. I don't know what they expect.
0: I honestly think it's a provocation to change. Mm. My thing in that situation, and I've really found it works, is just to... I put both my arms up and I go, ''Not cool!'' (laughs) <laughs> and because I'm not saying I'm angry, I'm not saying you've affected me, I'm saying you're not cool. And men mm-hmm. don't like being called not cool. Mm. And also it's a bit of a surprise, because they're not ready for the arms, which... Get... <laughs> but honestly, try it. It works really well. Because you see they get changed, they deflate, but you haven't really changed, you've walked on. I might get
3: some flyers with not cool printed and just <laughs> hand them... <laughs> Cross, you see my frowny face. You you deserve a Uh, not-look-up, like a yellow card and a red card. I did want to get some badges made up saying your music's too loud and hand them out on the train. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't like confrontation. I did once, one of the most insane things I've ever done in my life was I was so angry on a bus, but I'm so terrible at my own anger, that I wrote a note, a man was smoking on the bus, and I wrote him a note. (laughs) And I put it in his hood when he left. (laughs)
0: Did you feel your challenge? <laughs> yeah. Did it allow you to get less noty and more like more? Yeah, <laughs> no, <laughs> no I'm saying say
3: things something. now. Yeah, less noty, more saying things. Maybe eventually I will actually shout. Mm. It sounds quite Dutch. Not cool.
5: <laughs>
3: I
0: think in a Dutch accent Not it would cool. be even more. Yeah. Huh? Now I'm getting into it now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shall we try it as an audience? Okay. <laughs> Ready? One, two, three. Not, Not cool. cool. Oh, that's good. <laughs> and I like that some people went Dutch. Yeah. Some a just like doing a gig it's, in it's Holland, it's a brave Brilliant. choice. I really think we should start it because you can just do it in a way that it's mm. you that's not cool. It's mm. not me that's affected. You know. But then if they do get aggressive, you can say, No, I was just saying I'm not cool. <laughs> no, no, Margaret. No. No. no, There's no back down. It's you continue. You, you want you just, me to get hurt? You go, no. You go not cool, and you are continuing to be not cool, sir. Please welcome to the stage, Margaret K. Bondsmith! Right,
3: calm down. Calm down. (laughs) I really love being told to calm down. Do you? Yeah, I really, really love it. And it really works, doesn't it? I mean, no, that's the thing. I don't know about you, but I spend a lot of my time saying things like, oh, thank goodness... Thank goodness you told me (laughs) to calm down because now, Uh now I don't mind Uh that I'm late for my meeting and the baby's just tumble-dried a four-pack of (laughs) yoghurt. I don't mind, thank you. Just you saying calm down has had the effect of a frigging yoga retreat in the Caribbean. (laughs) So, thank you, thank you. It's, um, yeah... (laughs) It doesn't work. It doesn't work. And not only does it not work, I think the people who use it know it doesn't work. I think it's like when someone says something completely aggressive and adds mate at the end of it. (laughs) (laughs) Because I always think... (sighs) I don't think we are mate.
5: I don't think...
3: I don't think you want to be my mate. I think you want me to take my fucking bag off your seat. I think that's as far as our relationship goes. It has the opposite effect, saying calm down, and I'm pretty confident, I haven't actually done this, but I've got a very good experiment that I'd like you to try. So the next time a friend says something completely just normal to you, like I'm just going to go and get a sandwich from Pret, say, all right, calm down. <laughs> And they'll be confused to start with. What? I'm saying calm down. I, I am calm. I'm just getting a yeah, No, All right, no, I know you're calm. I'm just saying, just don't, you know, just don't get... Keep doing that in a variety of ways and you will get punched in the face. I'm fairly, I'm fairly confident about that. I'm, I'm actually somebody who is on opposite sides of the... I'm often the calmer, I'm often the calmy. In the comedy community, I'm very much seen as these deeply sensible uh, boring nerd I'm the one saying no don't give the reviewer a wedgie uh. <laughs> don't give Russell Brand a rooftop blowjob you will regret it <laughs> possibly during uh, he doesn't strike me as the cleanest of people <laughs> um, I'm the one at 5am getting people to get out of skips and saying it's alright we'll just go and find a kebab shop with a wifi and I'll give you five stars and <laughs> um, that's who I am in the comedy world in the friends with proper jobs world, I do have friends with proper jobs, and they, they see me as somebody um, about as serene as a uh, recently bereaved drag queen who's been set on fire. Uh, and, I, and, I, and to be honest, I veer between those two states. I did want to make a serious point. I think Deborah is absolutely right about calm. I think it's an overrated virtue. I don't think many people get very much done while being calm. Even Martin Luther King, who obviously achieved amazing, amazing things, was eventually shot to death by somebody who presumably was a lot less calm <laughs> than he was. So I think was absolutely right, and we need to get more hysterical, get out on the streets. Uh, I have a feeling that if Donald Trump's visit, um, we're all going up to Scotland Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, we, we should all go out there, line the streets and just laugh at him because I honestly think that that would be the thing that would really, really hurt him. Thank you.
0: <laughs> Deborah, what is your challenge? So I've been having some building work done. I won't bore you with the details. If you're in the pub with me, I totally will though. Um, <laughs> but everything's gone wrong. And things have gone so massively off plan and so far over time. And the one thing I'd been promised was that it would be done before Christmas. Having many other deadlines been flouted, I was like, it's fine. As long as it's Christmas, I'm going to come back from Christmas in the new year and my flat's going to be fine and ready. And I then got this casual text, oh, by the way, yeah, it's not going to be done by Christmas. It'll be more like January now. It was the way it was delivered. It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to have to call you. I'm so sorry about this. I know we promised Christmas. There was no attention to the severity of the situation, it was a casual text. So I went back to my flat, more apoplectic with rage than I can remember being in my life. And I did nothing to quell this rage. So normally I'd go, "Okay, count to ten. I was like, I'm counting to fucking zero. (laughs) (laughs) And I went upstairs, past my husband, who was like, hi, and I was like there's no time for fucking high. And I went up to where the builders were working and I hope nobody recorded it on their phone because I went batshit. I was so hysterical and I was like, this will be fucking well done by Christmas and if you won't fucking do it, somebody else will fucking do it because you are fucking fired. And now, please bear in mind, this was incredibly inconsistent behavior because up until this point, I had been really calm, got on really well with them, been really reasonable, and been like, okay, well, you know, da da da, that's a bit disappointing, blah, blah, blah. And I went absolutely crazy. And I let all of the hysteria out because I thought all of the patience hasn't worked, all of the being good to work with and the good natures has, hasn't worked, nothing else has worked here, and I am just over this. Because I just thought psychologically, for my mental health, I cannot still be living in this building site in January. Because it won't be January, it'll be February, and it won't be February, it'll be March. And it won't be March. It'll be twenty fucking twenty-five. And I'll never <laughs> ever have a closing window again on my house. And there's just air coming in all the time and it's cold. And I'm out of this and I just want to be able to to just go to bed and know there's a roof up my head <laughs> anyway uh, <laughs> after this admittedly hysterical outburst magically it was able to be done by Christmas <laughs> By the builders, who I think it's fair to say are fucking terrified of okay. me. <laughs> so I would say that's my hysteria challenge. And sometimes, when you've used everything else in your mm. arsenal, hysteria works. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes
3: you can't just hand out badges.
0: That's, uh, <laughs> and like I honestly that. think sometimes builders talk to women slightly, in a, you wouldn't sort of understand this, love. And I'm like, well, understand this. <laughs> Am I good with one of those things that, what's the thing that you call it, you balance to check that something's straight? Spirit level. Thank you. Am I good with one of those? Evidently not. I can't remember the name of it. (laughs) But do I know how to throw it at a man's head? Yes. (laughs) Please welcome to the stage,
3: the hysterical Deborah Francis Wise.
0: Supermarket and you see somebody you know in the cereal aisle uh, just uh, just sort of suddenly out of nowhere fall to the floor into the fetal position and start screaming and screaming and screaming. You would call the authorities because you would think this person was vulnerable unless they were three years old, and then you would think this is totally normal behavior and you would just push your trolley past them as quickly as possible <laughs> and get into the next aisle away from the noise you wouldn 't think anything was odd if that person was three and that is because we teach our children sanity our children are essentially born insane and we teach them consistent behavior that is what parenting is it's teaching them to replicate sanity even though they clearly are insane small children run down the street if they're happy they act like an airplane that's random It's not sane. That's not sane. Why are you acting like an aeroplane? Not an aeroplane. Because I want to. If they're happy, they sing and they dance. They jump on a wall and they want to run down the wall rather than walk with you. That doesn't look sane. Grown-ups can only do that if they're at university and drunk. (laughs) A normal grown-up walking to the post office cannot just jump on a wall, run down the wall, jump and land and keep going. People will look because that's not consistent behavior. A small child can. If a small child is angry, they scream. If a small child is sad, they burst into tears and will not stop crying. Now what we're teaching our children as they get older, when they're small, we tolerate some of this behavior. As they get older, we start saying things like stop making a fuss. You're making a big noise and you're upsetting everybody by revealing your emotions. (laughs) Repress them! Repress them! This is not appropriate behaviour for a seven-year-old. When you were three, it was all right to cry when you were sad. But now swallow the tears! Swallow them! Pretend! Pretend! Pretend you're happy! It's so what we do is parenting, and it's important. <laughs> it's fucking important that we do that, because we can't have people, you know, in average offices going, I hate this job. <laughs> you turned up to the emergency room at the hospital and said, oh, I've hurt my arm, can you, and the nurse just went, I'm bored of this. <laughs> teach our children to some extent to suppress their emotions we have to because otherwise society couldn't function but I wonder if we take it too far because I do this you know I talk about it sometimes I do this stuff in the corporate world where I go into offices and uh, I don't know I just sort of I don't know help uh, lawyers seem more interesting and um, <laughs> I have to do things like I have to sit in on conference calls do any of you have to do conference calls <laughs> holy fuck! Honestly, this is what it's like. So, uh, Jeff, uh, you're across this. We wondered if, you would, uh, if you'd perhaps just fill us in on what your team's doing so we could get across this. Uh, because I think Anthony isn't across this. So if, if Anthony and Sarah wanted to be across this, could you perhaps fill them in? And then he'll go, yeah, Tony, Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, I think what we need to, I am across this, I'm across this, and I I think, I will happily get you across this. I think what we need to ask here is, um, is there a business opportunity in this space? (laughs) Do any of those words mean? Some of these people, honestly, it's not just that they're producing consistent behavior, there's muscles in their faces they haven't used in some years. There's no dynamics at all in their voice. And it's like in the corporate world, fewer and fewer and fewer and fewer behaviors and emotions have become acceptable until really people are just sort of robotic. I mean, some of these men especially, it's like they haven't moved their neck since 1998. It's like they have to move their whole top body. And it's not it's not okay. That is too few emotions. Okay, we can't all be behaving like three-year-olds, although clearly it is pretty damaging to suppress our children's emotions. What choices do we have? We've got to get them to suppress their emotions because they've got to go to school. They've got to operate in the world. Will we fuck them up? Yes, but we're all fucked up. If they didn't have baggage, they wouldn't fit in. (laughs) I get that. But there comes a point guys where it's too much now we need to be able to say Jeff what do you mean when you say you're across this I've never wanted to ask what across this means does it mean you know about it in which case why aren't we saying that we had a perfectly good word for know about it why do we have to say across this Jeff why why Jeff why well because we need to assess whether there's a business opportunity in this space what does that do you mean can we sell shit to other people? They said, why aren't we saying that, Jeff? Why? Why? I want someone on one conference call somewhere in the world one day just to say that, just one person. If one person said that on one conference call and then just shouted, I'm out of here, I would be so happy.
5: <laughs>
0: and here's the thing, I think that the corporate world and the political world and that sort of everybody's got to behave in this way where they show utter consistency at all times and don't show any emotional, or any even interest in anything. I really feel like maybe it's... It's got to go. And I was thinking recently, because I'm feeling much more active, I'm feeling much more, you know, when I started this podcast, I was really talking about how I felt about my upper thighs. And now I'm like, holy fuck, what's happened to the world in a year? And, you know, there's Trump, there's Brexit, there's what? I feel like now my feminism is more active. And I was thinking about this the other night. I was on a panel with some other women, and I was thinking, I feel like, yeah, marching is great, but what the suffragettes were doing was blowing stuff up. Admittedly, as AJ Coase told me, they were very bad at blowing things up because they weren't good at making bombs. But,
5: <laughs>
0: I don't want to play into that stereotype, but it's true. They were not good. At it. The technicals let them down. But they set fire to stuff, they smashed shop windows, they were really and listen, I'm not saying let's build bombs. What I'm saying is, what's the thing between marching and bombing? <laughs> that I can do. And I started to think about, because the suffragettes called these things that they did outrages. And I started to think, could I do an outrage? And I started to think about Philip Hammond going, I urge you not to get hysterical. I urge you. I urge you. You're not hysterical yet, but I can't look at it. So please don't get hysterical. And I thought, what if we used hysteria? Because people are very uncomfortable with emotions. So what if we just went into public spaces and all went, Aah! we got hysterical, do you know what I mean? What if we all just took the day off and pretended to be aeroplanes? <laughs> what if we jumped on walls? If we did a happening, do you know what I mean? An outrage together. And some of it could be joyful. We could like, go into the town square and sing. Some of it could be satirical. We could all dress up as Donald Trump to piss him off because he doesn't like it when women lampoon people in his cabinet because it makes them look weak. Some of it could be like genuine hysteria like hyperventilating the sort that frighten men like that sort of like is there something we could do that used hysteria to stop them bringing in really evil legislation so I'm just gonna ask you to try it with me now I need a suggestion for something we could do a slogan that you'd like to shout out something you've been feeling frustrated Okay, I'm frustrated, brackets, not sexually. This is good, this is good, no, this is a good feminist, just, because it's, it's just the emotion, it's like a kid, it's just the raw emotion. I'm frustrated, and then like sort of more brackets y, not sexually, okay? But we're gonna repeat that into a build, into an hysterical build, okay? So I'm gonna say it first, and then I'm gonna give you the mic, so I'm frustrated, not sexually. I'm frustrated, not sexually. I'm frustrated, not sexually. I'm frustrated, not sexually. I'm frustrated, not sexually.
2: From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com.
0: Would you like to meet a fabulous guest? Woo! She is a wonderful local, that's not what we've booked her though, comedian <laughs> who is everybody's favorite. Put your hands together for Jen Brister. Woo! Oh, lovely. Hello. Hello. Does anyone else think Jen looks like Audrey Hepburn?
6: No. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, ladies. Actually thanks a does. bunch. Thanks a blinking bunch. <laughs> I do have this haircut, and it's not for everybody. Clearly not for my mum, who's staying with me this weekend in Brighton. She just said to me, Oh, my God. I don't think your hairdresser likes you. <laughs> I was like, Thanks, Mum. Um, thanks, a, thanks a lot. So, yeah, it's lovely. Hello.
0: So, hysteria. How do you feel about hysteria? Do you feel, as a woman, you get accused of hysteria at times?
6: Oh, always. Always. Well, that's the end of the podcast. The end. (laughs) I tell you what I get accused of, I don't know if anyone else does this, but I get told that I'm too loud all the time. That is almost a bit like saying calm down. Like, when you're talking, they go, sorry, shh. If someone shushes you, it takes all my willpower not to just punch them in the face. (laughs) And I do blame my mum because I've got a foreign mum, so um, she's Spanish. And I think in this country, we really don't like it if you're loud anyway. Mm. Particularly as a woman, we hate that, don't we? Like, if you're loud as a woman, we're like... (laughs) (laughs) And I think it's also a class thing, maybe. I don't know if you agree with me. Like, middle class people like low talkers. We just don't like to raise our voices. I think
0: posh people can be loud prayers. Yeah.
6: Posh, mm. absolutely. But middle class, if you raise your voice, if you're very loud around middle class people, they're just like, no. no. <laughs> you must be poor. <laughs> we d- Do you know what I mean? We don't, we don't like it. So I always get told to either calm down or to shh. Mm. I I feel
0: the same, I felt it today actually as Margaret and I were walking to the train I felt myself talking and I just saw my husband's face and I thought he thinks I'm being too loud like I think I talk- Well, it's more about what you're
6: saying, Deborah. I mean <laughs> I mean there are times when, yeah, actually there is like
0: And then he got his wanger
3: out and like, oh. I wasn't I think talking- it was libelous uh, I wasn't what you were talking saying,
0: about no. ham jobs just to be incredibly <laughs> clear. But I felt like I sometimes do talk too loudly. But I think that comes from being Australian because and this is something I learned from an accent coach. Very posh British people, there's a lot of air in their voice because they speak right at the front of their mouth, so actually only using the front of their mouth. So if you purse your lips very tightly and you'll speak right at the front of your mouth, that's the Queen. It's very, very far from. And then more kind of, you know, like a regional British accent, like a Cockney, be a little bit further back. And then Americans further back than that, and then Australians as far back as you can go. <laughs> and so that's right at the back of the mouth, and that means there's a lot of Australian opera singers and famous uh, West End Broadway singers, Hugh Jackman's, and it's because there's belt in the voice, and it's because it's I, so far back. I, so I it's thought like... it was because
3: there was hardly any Australians, so they have to sort of shout because they're not very near, you know. <laughs>
0: In Australia. They're like, what, oh, they're right you're... over by... <laughs> yeah, no. So you're like the opera house. house in the country. Yeah, exactly. So you're imagining what all place. Australians are standing on opposite sides of a place. Yes,
3: yes, and you don't have phones. Yes. <laughs>
0: yeah. it's so like, yeah, blows out again. There's probably something. Yeah, to me. Yeah. There was yeah. movement at the station, because the word had gone around that the car from our regret had gone away. And it's probably true, actually. My Australian asset's not very good anymore. Are there any Australians in? Good. OK. No we to have it. just a shout-out if you're from somewhere that's not Brighton or Hove. <laughs> uh,
6: Hello, Shoreham. Shout-out
0: if you're... Shout-out <laughs> if you're international. Oh, yep. Where are you from? Uh, I'm American. I'm from North Carolina. You Americans are often accused of being loud. Yes. Well, I was going to say, she doesn't have the mic and we can hear her
6: perfectly. <laughs>
3: yeah.
6: We don't need to back. mic you up. We can hear you. I uh,
0: genuinely got
1: quieter when I moved here. Like, and going home now, I think everyone's really loud.
6: Oh really? Yeah.
0: So you've quietened down for Brighton. You're Brighton local. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So you've had to, you've, shh, rein it in. <laughs> Other international person? Yeah, American. American as well. Yeah. Similar situation? Well, I'm going to talk really loud now. <laughs> I mean, you are
6: at the back of the room, and you are crystal clear. I love it.
0: Yeah. You sound amplified. Have you brought your own mic? <laughs> Just wherever I am, I've got it. I can switch it on. So we've got two Americans. in. anyone else international? Yeah. Yes. Romanian. Romanian. Now, what's the stereotype? Who's allowed in Romania? What's the stereotype? Uh, I think it's always (laughs) the poor people allowed. Poor people (laughs) allowed? Oh, really? So there's a stereotype that Romanian working-class people allowed? And (laughs) men. And men? Yeah. (laughs) But that's just true. Men are
6: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, they just own everything, don't they, with their voices.
0: Get
4: out. (laughs) (laughs)
3: In Spain? (laughs) You know what that means. In Spain, it's sort of insulting to be too quiet. You know, that's the opposite. It's, oh, it's kind of, what, what, what secrets do you
6: have? Yeah, you know? exactly. And also, it's a very different thing here, but when I go with my family in Spain, I sometimes... It actually looks like they're arguing with each other, mm-hmm. like, literally all the time, and they're just like, do you fancy a drink? you want a coffee? Like, oh, my <laughs> J- Jesus Christ. Like, you know, because oh, yeah. also they speak just, so quickly, it's and, like a machine yep. gun's gone off, you know. <laughs> do, you, do you speak See? Spanish? LAUGHTER um, <laughs> Her speaking yeah, that's Spanish. fluent. For those of you, yeah. there's a few proper Brits in there going, "That is, she's good at that. <laughs> she's nailed that Spanish accent." Um, yes, I can. Uh, sort of, but not. I wouldn't say I was very good. My girlfriend thinks I'm very good at speaking Spanish because she can't
0: <laughs>
6: speak Spanish, so. so she's always wildly
0: impressed when you. So she's
6: to like, "Oh my god, that was fluent!" And I was like, "Literally, I just asked where the bus stop was." But okay. Um, <laughs> That's basic GCSE Spanish. (laughs) Um,
0: What do we think about the way Mary Cray was spoken about in terms of hysteria? Why is it that we still, in 2017, impose the idea of hysteria on women? Does anyone know the origins of this?
3: Yeah, I know a bit about hysteria. Uh, It comes from... It's related to the womb, hence hysterectomy. Actually, the more I research it, the more... Ridiculous it is. The more it becomes clear that it was obviously doctors going, I don't know what women. What's going on with women? <laughs> like really? like really? they can like grow people. What's that? You know. And there's all this stuff about how they thought a womb was like an animal inside a woman. In a way, in a way, it is. I suppose it can be because it grows a person. So they thought the be.
0: womb was like an animal, and yeah. therefore. That the person who had this... Yeah, probably, which... Yeah. yeah, um, Was not to be trusted, or in some way their emotions were unable to be anticipated.
3: Yeah, it's weird how related to periods and, you know, that it seems to be, and they just...
0: And in Victorian times, didn't they try and cure hysteria with vibrators? Because that's why the vibrators were Yeah, I don't think it.
3: they had the
6: vibrating part of it
0: Oh, I thought they did.
6: Sorted.
3: I think the vibrators were, yeah, were maybe
6: invented because... I thought
0: they were invented specifically okay. by doctors.
6: You know, like those woodpeckers that you wind up?
0: Yeah.
6: <laughs>
4: that <laughs> seems <laughs> so I'm sexy. Like, yeah. <laughs> you just put a little cotton wool at the top of it and... <laughs>
0: But they were, they genuinely, there was a doctor who invented them because women were said to be hysterical, so they were sort of, you know, they were having the vapours, they were emotional. I think, actually, probably their hysteria was the product of being oppressed and constantly told they had to sit indoors doing Mm. needlework. Oh, my God, I would lose my bloody
6: mind if someone just said, look, just embroider that for nine hours. I would (laughs) like, kill me.
0: (laughs) But also... Sits. embroider that for the rest of your life like your life is embroidery play the, piano, the piano embroider forte.
6: that don't speak don't and go just, outside don't go yeah. outside and
0: sit properly and you'll
6: get a cold if like literally yeah. a drop of rain lands on your forehead yeah.
0: and sex also wasn't really seen as a something women would enjoy it was yeah, done no. so men could impregnate them so guys got their rocks off and often also visited sex workers for more erotic pleasures and so yeah, but
6: <laughs> no, but, no, but, but, but women—that is true because women weren't supposed to enjoy sex, so there were certain things. It wasn't like women weren't supposed to be able to orgasm. So then, you know, if guys wanted, they would just—that was it—to get you pregnant and then boff off down the old brothel. Yeah. for some fun times. And
0: it wasn't seen like as proper to sort of really give your wife a good scene to. Yeah, it would be
6: wrong for your wife to have an orgasm. Yeah. That would be and also, disgusting. if a woman had an orgasm, it was attached to hysteria and seen as a mental illness. Mm.
0: Well, that's why they invented the vibrators. So that they, I thought they thought it was a cure for hysteria, and so women were being visited by these doctors who would then give them the vibrator treatment. They'd have the orgasm, and then they'd say, oh, yes, doctor, I'm feeling hysterical again. And they'd call yeah. the doctor... <laughs> Funny, that. They'd call the doctor Weird once duck. a week.
6: Yeah. 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 Just having these regular bouts of hysteria. Yeah, duck.
0: <laughs> seriously. Seriously, there was a movie made about it. Do you think sometimes women think other women are hysterical or emotional? Like, some women say, I'd rather work with men because I know where I am. I've heard women say that.
6: Oh, yeah, absolutely, I've heard that. I, I can't really be friends with women. And uh, I never trust a woman that says that. I think, what the hell's wrong with you?
0: Yeah, I think, <laughs>
6: You don't you you like yourself very much. Have you much? not met anyone? Yeah, I don't, don't like, understand. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I, I mean, I, you know, I've seen men around and they're all right. And uh,
0: <laughs> some of my some of my closest um, <laughs> some of my closest husbands, are straight white men.
6: <laughs> <laughs> and Look, some of
0: lovely. my closest sons are
6: boys, and <laughs> we'll have to work on that. Anyway. Uh, But it's interesting,
3: um, if you look at who is currently... And I don't want to look at him, but um, who is currently the most powerful man in the world, he is
0: an
6: incredibly... God, his mum didn't love him. Jesus.
0: He's incredibly over-emotional. Can we not blame a woman for Donald Trump, please? (laughs) (laughs) I cannot believe you've just said that, Jen. We will not blame a woman. That's like blame... Well, we might as well say Eve at the apple. (laughs)
6: He, that, that, wasn't, that wasn't the intention of what I said. He
0: cut, he cut her out. I,
6: mean, I just meant he was so vile. How could anyone?
0: But it did come I reckon, out wrong. I reckon he punched his way out of the womb.
6: This will be edited.
0: <laughs> it will not. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Like, all of his emo- I don't understand why anyone... You know, this go, well, Hillary can't be... Oh, Hillary couldn't be president because Hillary's she's a woman the and she's... the
0: most unemotional uh, I, I mean, I, no, that,
3: that look of strained patience I saw on Hillary's face began oh, to depress me, you I know, know, a, a couple but, of months into the but
6: election. Well, I know, but what started was, like, initially when she was before the primaries that we can't have a woman because, you know, they get periods and... What about if she gets a period and just she's
0: oh. fucking postmenopausal? Do you, how I mean, old is that She's fucking even, seventy-one. Even, even worse. Okay. It, I know, but the that, whole
6: idea that still when the moon comes out, you know, and she's near a button, you know what it's like. You know, the full moon, we're pressing any button we see. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> um, but she's
0: I mean, so unlikely she, to press a button. It it's it amazing is. she can button up a trouser suit. Uh, she was
6: criticized wasn't she because she was seen as completely cold. lacking any emotion yeah, and yeah, cold
0: yeah. so that you can't win you can't win as she a woman. couldn't win no very clearly <laughs> well, she didn't win she didn't win, she Sadly. Didn't win. no Sadly. <laughs> but you're right like she was i mean let's look at how measured hillary Rodham clinton is she was married to bill clinton during the whole monica lewinsky affair and various other affairs that came out and she was so measured, she went, it's best for the family, for the presidency, for everything. I'm going to hold it together. And she was so dignified through that. And I've heard people blaming her and saying, oh, well, look what she did to those women. And I'm like, what did she do? And they're like, well, I've heard um, uh, Christopher misogynist. What's his Hitchens. name? Hitchens. I've heard Christopher... <laughs> This middle is, name. is this misogynist. is, this is Christopher. Christopher. When you said misogynist, I went. Yeah, this I is know Christmas feminist charades. <laughs> Christopher, <laughs> oh misogynist. Um, uh, yeah, I've heard Christopher Hitchens saying uh, that she did everything she could to alienate those women and slut shame them. And I'm like, I don't remember her saying anything. Point to something she did or said that wasn't just dignified. And they're like, I don't know, but Christopher Hitchens said she was to blame for Monica Lewinsky. And I'm like, she was the only one who wasn't in the room, but somehow <laughs> it was her fucking problem of what I mean, just awful. And he is—you're right. Trump is fucking oh, hysterical. he is hysterical, he's an, he's an hysterical absolutely. He—he
6: he shouldn't be allowed on Twitter. He's clearly insane. Oh <laughs> Sad, isn't he? I mean, he's like a toddler. Really? You no, know, he's uh, like a toddler. I
3: wonder how much people live say, "Calm him.
6: down," to him.
5: <laughs> you know.
3: It feels like if anyone should be
0: calmed mm. somehow... I mean, he needs to be
3: sedated. <laughs> and imagine
0: absolute. now, if you will, Hillary Clinton won. We're in a different parallel universe. Oh, I
6: like this universe. Can I you know, stay there? The
0: and imagine Meryl Streep tweeted that she was concerned about some of... The policies. Maybe she'd brought in a more right-wing policy than anyone was hoping on immigration. And imagine Meryl Streep giving a speech about diversity. And imagine if Hillary Clinton, as a woman, tweeted, "She's the most overacted, uh, actor in Hollywood, blah 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 blah." And Iran, you suck too. Can you imagine <laughs> the fucking blowback that people would be saying if we told you you can't have a woman in the White House? It's like if Obama had said, "I grab women by the pussy." I mean, we're in a... We are, what universe are we in? We just can't even
6: imagine. We're in a universe that's so surreal that sometimes I wake up and go, this, is this the real world? It's just... <laughs> you know when you're walking through, you think, am I dead? Am I oh, Did I die?
0: I think time. I'm dead. Because the only way this can be happening is if I'm dead.
6: But all it's, it's real. It's, it's, it's like being in
0: a satirical film that's jumped the shark and you just go, well, this is too... No, you can't. This is implausible now. Everything we're living through, but I do worry because America is so spectacular. What's happening is so gripping and like car crash television. I sort of think the Tories must be loving it because we're slightly taking our eye off the ball with what's happening Oh, he's happening a great here.
6: distraction. And then we go. Oh look, the NHS is gone, and oh yeah, no, those child refugees really aren't coming in, and,
0: and uh, austerity measures. Okay, so we have Theresa May as Prime Minister here. We yeah. have a female Prime. Minister. And we've got look, we've got Theresa May
6: here. We've got Angela Merkel in Germany, and we've got the. I mean, I'm not a, a Theresa Theresa May fan by any stretch of the imagination. But she is statesman-like, she... She's stateswoman-like. Statesperson-like, all right.
0: I want Theresa May to be more hysterical. I want her to show more emotion and get more concerned about what's happening with Brexit because she voted to remain and now she's basically left with the leave option because none of the guys that had caused the problem wanted the job. They all went, oh, fuck, we didn't think this would happen. We thought we could get in a bus and sort of get some of the UKIP voters on side and still have the status quo, oh, no, we haven't, Are you touched at last, is basically <laughs> what, what Bojo did. So Bojo wanted the job until the job became hard. So Theresa May stepped forward and said, I'll have a go because it's the only time a woman's going to get a go otherwise. I think that's what's happened. But I want her to get more emotional about it and I want her to show that she cares. And I think probably she doesn't because... She's either a Tory. She's, well, <laughs> yeah. either because she's a robot-type person or because she's been trained to be a robot-type person because she's a woman and she's in politics and she's been told, don't show any emotion. Oh, absolutely. Could we write to Teresa and say, can you please show us what you feel and can you please get more passionate about it?
3: Yeah, I mean, as the resident badge-giver outer, I should say, <laughs> I have Not been... What badge sending... would you like to give Teresa? Well, made. I have been sending her <laughs> some quite odd letters. you?
0: Have you? Yes. Have you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, this is a wow. revelation. Oh, I want to hear no,
3: about not, this. Not that odd. Just very, very pally. <laughs> <laughs> where, no, where we've been sort of quite sympathetic and saying, look, it really worked. I mean, it was before she went out to see Trump and I, you know, just sort of said, come on, love. Come on, love. <laughs> come on, love. <laughs> um, calm down. I, well, calm down <laughs> for a start.
0: I just Did you say I'm frustrated, sound? not sexually? <laughs>
3: You know, so I appreciated that she had a really terrible job because she was stuck with Brexit, and whatever happened, she was going to be the Brexit Prime Minister. Um, but I just said, I understand that, but you've got to go to Trump and say, I can't remember what I said now. And that's it. I said, Come on, Theresa. <laughs> you and I both know. Ha <laughs> ha! That Trump is a narcissistic, psychopathic misogynist. And I know is... that you're not allowed to say that, but can you just remember that while you're trying to do any talking to him and, you know... <laughs> while, on, you're the stage, while you're holding his hand.
0: While you're holding his fucking hand. <laughs> while you're whispering because sweet <laughs> nothing's Because in his apparently ear. he's scared of heights or something. I'm scared what of we... steps. I was going to
3: say, there's only three steps, scared wasn't it? Of ste- he's scared He's a darling. He's scared of steps.
0: <laughs> no,
3: Amazing! Yeah. It would be really easy to defeat him if you the
5: dart.
0: Does anyone have a question about hysteria or feminism? One of the um, Americans must have a question.
1: Hello. <laughs> Did you watch the movie The Falling and how do you think it represented hysteria?
3: I haven't seen it. No, I don't have know. Have you seen it? I haven't Jen. seen it, sorry. Could you, could you, you tell you us about it, you though? Tell, you, you Tell it. us what you think. Pick, and then you can come and host it next week. <laughs> oh god. Has anyone, someone else want to explain it? No.
6: Has anyone else seen it? I, no, are you asking a
0: question about a movie? You have seen it. Really? Imagine, yes. no, I have, no. no, I have seen it. Okay, you've um, seen it? I just I don't like, know how well I've heard I it. Explain okay, it. Imagine, um, if you will, that a man had got the microphone in his hand and said, have you seen this movie? And everyone had gone, no. What he wouldn't have said is, does someone else want to explain <laughs> it? He would have gone, great! <laughs> because I'm going to tell you the whole plot. <laughs> Spoiler up.
1: So it's a movie uh, that was demonstrating the movement of hysteria, I think, in about the 70s, where w- girls in school started fainting, and... Oh, yes. a, fainting I heard about this, yeah. Um, and oh, it was yeah. all wrapped up within hysteria. Why did they start fainting? I did hear about it. Was ju- it was like so. a contagious thing. Someone was unable to express their emotions, and so they oh. fainted. And then because they did that quite publicly in school, all of the other girls started doing it, and it became an unexplained phenomenon.
0: Wow. I did a Radio 4 play once um, called A Time to Dance and it was about this phenomenon in the Middle Ages in France and this, I think it was a man that came out and just started to dance and then someone came out and joined him and there was a whole, like half the village came out and they couldn't stop dancing like in a trance state until they died. And the radio play that I did was sort of ad-libbed, improvised, and it was—we did it like a docu-drama about like this was happening now on the South Bank, and all these experts were talking, and we had Robin Lustig doing the news, and it was the only ever Radio Four play of the day drama that got complaints because people said it was too realistic. Because <laughs> normally plays are like, hello, all <laughs> oh, in window, Amazon. I'm just having a cup of tea. Ting, 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 ting. Um, and uh, this was so... That's ma- better so than they the normally album. don't get complaints, that are too realistic, but people said, my daughter was on the South Bank and I really thought it was happening and she was caught up in a terrible dancing trance. <laughs> Genuinely. But, <laughs> God, I love Radio 4. It was an hysterical dancing manifestation of oppression. Is this something that you think we're going to see i hope so it sounds I mean, great it's not just necessarily <laughs> dancing but are we going to get more hysterical if there is more oppression as it looks likely there will be
6: well i hope if we are going to get hysterical it manifests itself in a slightly more vocal rather than like just falling over livid. oh that's that then um Trouble.
3: That's the sort of between the march and the collapsing. In uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think I hope. I hope we what I would love
6: it <laughs> is that we have a bit of cohesion. The thing that I always find with the feminists and also with the left is that we are our own worst enemy, aren't we? Because the right will just go. Oh, let's just leave them to it. And then we all just attack each other, don't oh, we? I'm so, so
0: sick of the left being so cross with each other. So the left is like
6: divided in like 655,000 different ways. And <laughs> the Tories just go, see you later. That's another 50 years of us being in power. Since June, I've been signing off all of my emails, see you in dissident
3: camp, because I'm sort of hoping that me and my friends are the sorts of people who will stand up for, you know, my friends who are not particularly oppressed will stand up for the oppressed and uh, i'm not optimistic is what i'm saying about <laughs> the whole the whole dissident camp thing we've i bought a badge i bought a badge on, uh, saying i voted you're stay.
0: good with <laughs> badges <laughs> it sounds like i'm obsessed i swear i'm not that obsessed. we're <laughs> in um, the guides you evidently are <laughs> margaret the first step is to admit the obsession oh, i've got a
6: badge problem
0: <laughs> it's no good saying i'm not no one said you were and you just I'm not obsessed, I'm not obsessed. <laughs> Nobody can accuse you of that. And so this I'm going just, to call it. It's yeah, a problem.
3: Yeah, all right. You, um, I bought a badge that says I voted stay because I couldn't bear, I couldn't bear going into my kids' school the day after Brexit and um, knowing all of those Poles and Irish people would just be looking at me going, you, you have done this. And I'm, yeah.
0: yeah, I know. it
4: mm.
0: Oh, sorry, another question. Yes.
4: I've got an idea... Hooray! Hooray! Let's storm Uh, the Bastille. I think we're all frustrated, horrified, much more than frustrated. I'm much more than frustrated. Some years ago, Julia Gillard was widely known for her 15-minute monologue against Tony Abbott Mm -hmm. and his misogyny. That's what we need now. Women need to be articulate about their criticism. To speak for 15 minutes uninterrupted in the Australian Parliament as a woman takes courage and it takes strength. So I propose that uh, we write to Julia Gillard and suggest that she uh, starts a Julia Gillard School of (laughs) Of
2: Speaking for 15 minutes of filibustering.
4: Just imagine Julia Gillard with Trump. Wouldn't it be wonderful? Yeah. Oh let I mean, make she, that she a girl can dream training. how can we get them in the same she room she would be a wonderful secret weapon <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's my idea okay thank you very much thank you
3: but you know it, it's, it's a weird thing isn't it that Gary Lineker is the closest to an opposition we have at the moment <laughs>
0: Paddy it's Ellen. not OK, is it? It's not OK. It's <laughs> not oh my Oh, God. We're just going to end up with salt and vinegar crisps and a... <laughs> no NHS.
5: Um, so
1: uh, my question is, what's your strategy when someone tells you you're being too loud? Because I'm always, like, I feel when someone tells me I'm being too loud because I am an actually loud person, I just feel really, like, ashamed and I just... Mm. instantly
3: feel like a little girl again. And I just don't know, like... So when you're told this, is it in a work scenario or is it in a, you I know, restaurant?
1: Like, my, um... It, it's happened in, like... Cause my fiancé's a loud person as well. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I've heard, heard him trouble. laughing and I've
0: enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And, like, um, yeah, we've been told off in, like, restaurants, be like, use your indoor voices, guys. And um, <laughs> my dad tells me off for being loud, which is hysterical because he's a really loud
3: person <laughs> himself. But I just feel like I have no comeback when that happens. Like, Have you thought about singing I am what I am? <laughs> <laughs> Every time. <laughs> No, it's really difficult. I I come from a very loud family and an office party... At the next table to us in an Indian restaurant, who complained about us. And I swear, we weren't even particularly drunk. We were just quite loud. There was a lot of laughing. But what was really nice, the waiter came over and he was absolutely mortified to tell us to be quiet. It's an office party of librarians. I mean, they were virtually (laughs) silent. Um, But he actually, we got a free bottle of wine out of it. So uh,
0: I had the same thing on a yoga (laughs) retreat. It was a big party, but it was a yoga retreat. I mean, Hey, yoga, <laughs> double facing dog, double facing dog, hey. double facing, double double facing dog. Basically, was the atmosphere. <laughs> <laughs> and this table of people that was in France, and they said roast beef. They said they were very English. This is what they're like. They come over here, stealing our yoga mats, <laughs> and yeah, they're too loud. And they said, well, we did warn them there was a big party in tonight, but it is embarrassing to be an English yoga retreat being told. You're too loud. What I would do if I were you, if you get told this a lot, have on your phone an app where you press a button and Rage Against the Machine comes out. (laughs) Fuck you. Fuck you. I I I won't won't do do what you you tell me. (laughs) Fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. But it comes out, like, really loudly, and you just have to press and shoot. So I'm I'm so sorry. Sorry. It's just some of the other patrons have been just a little bit upset by the volume of your voice. Fuck you, I won't do what you tell me! Fuck you, I won't do what you tell me! Until they go away.
6: Yeah. And also, does it bother you? No. Job done, then.
0: <laughs> yeah,
6: that was I, good. That felt like we solved something. Yeah. She's not bothered anymore. <laughs> but just, just by the end the Just tell the them, th- just go, I'm sorry, would you mind taking a few steps back? Is that...
5: <laughs>
0: is that better? Now, bog off. <laughs> I think I want your spirit, Jen. I want to have that. <laughs> that you've got, that,
6: you've got, got to meet I'm... my mum. She's insane. I want your, she I want would never put up with life. anything. Because yeah. I
0: would also feel like, oh, God, now I feel terrible. Like, Jen, like she just goes... Uh, kind of like she's got that kind of zero fucks going on i've got got no
6: fucks fucks. i've got no fucks i've got
0: loads of fucks (laughs) i I want to have zero fucks
6: (laughs) no i've got no fucks i'm since i hit 40 my give a fuck is not flickering it's gone it's dead (laughs) there's no no fucks are left jen do
0: you have anything to plug
6: yes I and another comedian, Tina Duib, have organised a tour of gigs for Stand Up for Refugees, to so help Refugees UK. And we will be doing a gig here at the Dome on the 21st of June with an amazing lineup of stand up comedians. I'm hosting it. It's going to be absolutely brilliant. Get yourselves a ticket. All proceeds go to Help Refugees UK. And it's also a big fuck you to all those people that are just generally arseholes, isn't it? <laughs> And it's a really good cause. And I think with everything that's going on, I mean, there's the biggest humanitarian crisis since, you know, pre-Second World War. And uh, all the money will go to helping refugees in Europe and getting them over here and getting them over to other parts of Europe and also looking after them while they're waiting and also putting pressure on the government to start letting kids that have family over here to come into this country. So please give us your money. (laughs)
0: Any,
3: yeah, it's a, bit, it's a bit hard to plug something that is after oh, that. Isn't so it? Oh, I'm going for it, something, I'm going for it. Something entirely not worthy at all. <laughs> um, I, I'd like to plug my uh podcast Do the Right Thing, which is free at uh, British brilliant. Comedy Guide. Thank you. Um, I'd also like to plug, and this is a heavily ladyfied sitcom on BBC4 starring Miriam Margulies. And in it, I get loads of Stephanie Beecham's blood on me in episode Ooh. three. So that's an amazing teaser, isn't it? Really Ooh. worth
0: watching out for. <laughs> I would like to plug, on the 28th of May, we will be back in Brighton. And we are doing a show as part of the Brighton Festival in a big space. What's this theatre in Brighton that has 900 seats? Theatre Royal. Well, theatre Royal, thank you. It's that one. And the co-host is Jessica foster Q and the guests are Rebecca Statton who was the mum in Catelyn Moran's Raised by Wolves, but Rebecca was also in Pulling with Sharon Horgan... And Sharon Horgan is the other guest. So we're doing double guest. And Sharon Hogan is in Catastrophe. Uh, that's what you will know her from. And pulling. pulling and and lots and lots of yes, which she wrote both of those. Uh, and we're gonna be talking a lot about motherhood and other subjects as well. We're gonna do two episodes back to back. Uh, so please come and join us on the twenty-eighth of May. And it's a big space, so please bring twenty or thirty of your closest feminists. <laughs> um, Also, on the 22nd of May, we are doing an event called Include Yourself. It's a women's leadership event. Basically, it's me for three hours in the morning doing the corporate stuff that I do, talking and doing exercises about how you can include yourself more, how you can be more charismatic, more central, give fewer fucks. And then there's going to be breakout sessions. You can choose. You can do stand-up comedy. You can sing in a gospel choir. Anything that will help you take up more space we will have various things and then there'll be a very special episode of The Guilty Feminist and we are interviewing Suzanne Williams now Suzanne Williams uh, used to work for MI5 as a hostage negotiator the theme is negotiations now if anyone can negotiate it's Suzanne Williams she doesn't work for MI5 anymore she said oh now I'm freelance (laughs) and I was like who hires a freelance hostage negotiator she said oh aid organisations they can't be fanning around waiting for someone to come and help them they just need their people back so as a full time job she negotiates with people who have hostages. And she said sometimes they don't want to negotiate with a woman because most people who take hostages aren't feminists. (laughs) 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 It's weird. And some of them are like, I'm not talking to a bird. You know, I don't know. Uh, So then she has to Cyrano de Bergerac into a man's ear so that they think they're talking to a man, but really they're talking to a woman. Um, Isn't that awesome? So that's going to be a very special episode it's only for the people there that day although i think we will make it available at a small cost just so that we don't piss off all the people who've paid for the day sort of thing so if you would like to come to that day there are some flyers here there's an expensive rate if you have a posh job and there are also some 10 pound tickets for people who really can't afford it also i have another show called global pillage which is a diversity-based comedy panel show you can listen to that at globalpillage.net and there's something I've wanted to do that I've just come up with this idea. I thought what we should do is like a charity of the week. So does anyone here have a relevant charity they'd like to just pitch to us for 30 seconds and then someone can collect money for that charity in this cup which previously had water in it? Yes? A community-based charity
6: called Nightstop, Stop which um, finds solutions for homeless young people and puts them with volunteers in the volunteers' homes uh, when young people are facing homelessness and helps them find their own homes. And it's not just Sussex, it's spreading, but it's, um, it's really good and I've done it for a while.
0: And if people are listening at home would like to donate or get involved, where should they go? What's the website? nightstop.com Nightstop.com. If you would like to come down at the end of the show and stand with this carp to collect, people are going to put money in the carp yeah. and then you can take the money and give it to Nightstop. And we will it. trust you to do that. I promise so, you. Yeah. I'm assuming you just seem so... She seems to know so much about the charity, didn't she? A yeah. suspicious amount I'm for I'm someone I'm who's going I'm to steal in. the money. I've just
3: checked and there is no Nightstop.com. Follow The Guilty Feminist on Twitter at guiltfempod. Check out our Instagram, instagram.com forward slash theguiltyfeminist. Like our Facebook page. Sign up to our mailing list to get notified as soon as an episode is released. And please go to iTunes and do rate, review and subscribe. Give it five stars. If you get anything else, it's like fake reviews, guys. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we just want to help other people find the podcast.
0: Thank you so much everyone for coming and uh, can I have a big round of applause for my guest co-host Margaret Cable Smith <laughs> and for our wonderful guest Jen Bristow <laughs> You have been listening to The Guilty Feminist with me Deborah Francis-White and guest co-host Margaret Cable Smith very special guest, Jen Brister. The recording engineer was Chris Sharp. The music was by Mark Hodge. The producer was Tom Salinsky for The Spontaneity Shop. Thanks to Rosie Crane and everyone at the Brighton Dome, as well as all of you for listening. For more information about this and other episodes, visit guiltyfeminist.com. Oh. Juices. is there any chance we could get some water, it's like three glasses of water? Sorry, we, we, there was Sorry. an oversight. Um, someone's getting
2: sucked. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sleeping <laughs> with him. Uh... Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig.